New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Dr. Matthew McKay. He's a psychologist, a professor, and the author of Seeking Jordan, How I Learned the Truth About Death and the Invisible Universe. Matthew, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Glad to be with you. Glad to have you. Your son died suddenly and violently when he was only 23 years old. And you've reported many conversations with him. In fact, this book, Seeking Jordan, was co-written with Jordan between the two of you. So as a scientist, what motivated you to begin these conversations with Jordan? I've learned as a psychologist that there is so much that we can't observe, we can't measure, we can't uh, look at uh, strictly from scientific principles, uh, randomized controlled trials. There are things well beyond that. Uh, there are things in the mental and there are things in the spiritual that we can't really measure. And it became vitally important to me after Jordan's death to find a way to reach him, even though my scientific background would tell me that's impossible. And do you feel confident that you did reach him? I feel very strongly that I reached him, but the process of seeking, of of looking beyond the physical world, the material world, into the spiritual realm, always has doubt. And in fact, I think any seeking process that doesn't have doubt, that has that when people have reached certainty as they're seeking the spiritual they're kidding themselves. We have to do that with a sense of doubt, and I don't know absolutely for sure. However, I've had lots of confirming experiences that my conversations with Jordan are actually taking place, and while I will never banish doubt, I have a strong sense of his presence and a strong sense that his words are guiding me. When when you talk about certainty, I... I'm thinking of all the energy it must take to hold so rigidly if we're certain the way everything is. I think trying to be certain actually blocks spiritual knowledge. I think that that determination that I have to know for sure ends up putting obstacles inside the channel. And instead of opening the channel to spiritual knowledge and, and communication with the other side, we end up plugging it up. So I think that certainty is, is actually a danger, and uh, not just a danger in terms of spiritual growth and development, but it's a danger because once we're certain, we are somehow permitted to do anything. You know, if, if, if you think something is absolutely true, we are somehow putting ourselves down a path toward um, absolutism, toward the kinds of thinking that leads to dictatorship and control. Right. So tell me, Matthew... What were some of the signs that helped you to feel that this was a true communication and not just something you were making up? 
There were a number of things that happened. Um, one was that I just experienced his words as surprising and unexpected. That he would say things, uh, I would write his words down, and I would have never dreamed of saying that or thinking that before. They were absolutely unique ideas that uh, were, were, were new to me. I also had the experience that he speaks in a way that's different than I do, and he uses language in a way that's different than I do. And so there's something that's distinctly separate and different about how Jordan communicates. And those who know me and know Jordan, when they look at his words, say, well, that's certainly not you talking uh, to me. And um, and so, again, there's a sense of, uh, of distinctness about his communication style. Other things that have helped me have a degree of hope that this is the case are communications with mediums, a medium that um, a friend of mine knew, uh, experienced a direct communication from Jordan. She didn't know who he was. She said, there's a young man here who died violently. I don't know what this is about, but he's writing uh, a book with his, his father. And she had no knowledge of this book. Only six people in the world knew I was writing this book. And in fact... That was very comforting to me because he was telling her, I'm doing this with my dad, and you can let him know. And in letting him know, you give him a degree of support and um, confidence that there's something true here. Did Jordan have anything to say about his life being cut so short? I mean, he was just entering the prime. He was right in the prime of his energy and creativity and life was in front of him. What did he say about his life being cut short like that and suddenly and violently? He was very clear with me that he, this life was planned to be a short one and that we all agreed to this. My wife says that um, she was out of the room when, when this agreement was made in the afterlife. <laughs> that, uh, she, she, she doesn't think that she would have ever agreed to such a thing. And and yet he's very clear that this is something we all knew. It was part of the lesson plan for this life, that we were learning things from his loss. And in fact, he was learning things in this short life that were preparing him for another longer life. Um, you know, just one aside about this is that in one of my past lives, Judy, my wife, was my mother. And in that past life, she lost a son and became so bereft and so disconnected that she just essentially gave up and, and, and stopped living and eventually kind of died of a kind of a passive suicide. And I was very, left very much alone by that in that particular life. And so in this life, she has again to face the same lesson of losing someone dear to her and someone that she loves completely, but in this life, finding a different way. And there, there were lessons then for her in this life and in losing Jordan early that have allowed her to deal with death and loss in an entirely different way than she did in the last life. So it, it was helpful to her to know about this past life that, that helped her with this particular trauma and this one? I think maybe saying it was helpful would be an exaggeration. I, I think she found it a curiosity that in this past life she had faced the same kind of loss but had reacted to it uh, by withdrawal and disconnection. But she does recognize and I think takes credit for having 
faced Jordan's loss with love, uh, holding on to her love for him and holding on to her, her love for her other children, for me, for the people that she cares for. So this was a vastly different response. And I think she recognizes that she's done something very hard. Does she talk to Jordan like you do? She has different ways of communicating to him. She can communicate to him through body sensations, or she can feel him, uh, his presence. She communicates to him uh, by going to environments where she senses and, and recognizes his presence. I, I know that you mentioned something in your book about um, she feels like many times birds will represent. And that I really resonated with that because that's what I feel about Michael when I see a, a hawk up on top of a pole um, next to the highway or a telephone wire. Boy, I, I just feel the presence of Michael just immediately. And she, oddly enough, responds to hawks, too. She, she experiences hawks as, as uh, likely indications of, the, of Jordan's presence and also hummingbirds, so hawks and hummingbirds. And I think souls from the other side help us um, recognize animals that we so, uh, unconsciously will agree means that the channel is open means that they're there, means that they're connecting, and we can say anything back and forth. Jordan, in spirit form, can communicate with us, yet possibly he also has already reincarnated. What does he say about that sort of dichotomy? I'm glad you brought that up because actually any other soul that we care for, whether they're, whether they're living or in spirit, we, c we can communicate simply by a thought. They're a thought away. As soon as you have thought, think of that soul, the channel is open. And in Jordan's case, he has reincarnated. He's a little girl. And he is growing up in a kind of a, a little bit of a difficult environment. Um, but how it works is soul energy can divide. And so when we are electing to reincarnate and enter another physical life, our soul energy divides, and some of our soul energy remains behind in the life between lives, in the spirit world. And so soul groups are always together because some of our soul energy remains there. But a part of our soul energy enters a physical body, experiences amnesia, loses any memory or sense of, of the life between lives of our other uh, soul group members, we show up here feeling utterly alone, prey to this nervous system that's so easily uh, afraid, so easily angry, so easily overwhelmed with emotion and desire. And so we, we show up here with no memory of the life between lives and having to tame this beast, this, this body that we have been put into. And it's a tremendous task. And and so our energy is divided. Some of us remains back in the spirit world. And we can actually communicate with ourselves that the part of our energy is in the spirit world and get some of the information and knowledge from that part of us that's in spirit. So this is one of the benefits of meditation or contemplation or prayer or whatever way we use to communicate. We can communicate with our own consciousness exactly. that's not incarnate. You can use prayer, you can use channeled writing, you can use hypnosis, you can use meditation to connect to the part of us that's in spirit. And we can use the same processes to connect to other souls that we love 
in spirit. Mm-hmm. And again, they're just a thought away. And we can, again, whether we use meditation or hypnosis, channel writing, any of these means, prayer, will get us in contact with the other side. Well, Matthew, I want to thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. My pleasure. Thank you. I've been speaking with Dr. Matthew McKay. He's a psychologist and professor, and he's the author of many books and co-authored many books, including Seeking Jordan, How I Learned the Truth About Death and the Invisible Universe. And if you want to know more about his writing and his work, you can go to SeekingJordan.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe, and I ask you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.